is the fourth week in the series. I told you that today would be pretty practical kind of a day, and, and I pray that the Lord has inspired you the last few weeks to strive to work toward all that God has for you, and to realize, though, as you're working toward what God desires to do in your life, that you are accepted in the beloved already. Amen. Right there. The love of God. You are already one that is approved in the love of God. And God, out of that acceptance, out of that, that the relationship you have with him, he begins to change the areas of our life. On the way in today, there was a sheet of paper. Some of you have already, already had it for a while. You've had it the last few weeks. If you're a guest, as you leave today, out here in this room, there's a, a sheet of paper that has these categories on it. And on the middle of it up here at the top, it says rule of life. Rule of life. And the idea of a rule of life, we're going to be looking at today because I want you to live lives that are disciplined. I want you to live lives that, are, that have a path, that have a, a, a purpose, and I told you that when it comes to this idea of, 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 of habits and, and, and taking um, steps, there's a sense of responsibility. That first week of the new year when we had our first service, I said that last year felt like a year where God just accelerated everything. Anything we put our hands to, just accelerated. And I felt like this year the Lord was saying that he's taking us deeper. And to go deeper, we've got to be disciplined. God, God is maturing many of you to a level where, you know how it is with babies? There's a time when I fed Arden. Now I'm like, feed yourself, girl. She's three years old. She can do that. She can feed the dog, too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I think Mac's starting to get excited because Mac, that's always been his job because he's six. And now it's starting to be Arden's job. And she's still at that stage where she thinks that job's fun. But as they get older, you know, there's more responsibilities that come. And same way with us. And I, last week, I didn't want to get into this week to burden you. I wanted you to hear last week's sermon. If you missed last week, please go back. Because it's more about your being, okay? It's more about your being than your doing. Now, these disciplines that we're working on will be doings that will start to affect our being. They really will. But I don't want you to feel that weight of legalism. Remember last week, legalism and licentiousness? And if you're a guest with us, you're like... I missed last week. That's okay. It's on the podcast. All right? Go catch up. Go listen to that next week, and, and you'll be able to hear. Um, my, my heart as your pastor last week was, I didn't want you burdened with, oh, one more thing to do. You know, one more thing to have to try to be better at, you know? And I want you to hear last week's sermon. So if you missed it, please go back and listen to it. But let me, let me do say this. When it comes to the idea of walking in the greatness God has for us, true greatness comes when people are transformed deep beneath the surface of their lives, okay? So that's where greatness comes. It comes from this love of God and this connection we have with him. And this love of God is in the center. And the reason why is because this love of God affects devotion and prayer. This love of God affects connection and relationships. It convects, connects the idea of rest and stopping. It, it, it connects to our serving and our work. It, it, all those things come out of the love of God. And if not, then that's when we get run down and that's when we miss it. And that's when we don't walk in the best that God has, has for us. So I want to look in a scripture in 1 John as my custom. We love, I love to honor the word of God. And so if we would, I know we've had you standing up and down, up and down, but if you would stand up one more time. We're going to honor the Word of God just by standing. And, and, and lately, for the last, this series, I've just been enjoying using the Message Bible. I, I've preached more out of the Message Bible, that translation, the last month than I have in 26 years. Well, however long that Bible's been out, you know. And it's just, just for me, it's just a little different nuance, and I'm enjoying it. I'm not going to continue that in my practice, but for this series, it's worked. It says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us 
Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's that love of God. That's where we're centered. That's our being. What are you? Children of God. You know? That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously. Because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. But friends, that's exactly who you are. Children of God. And that's only the beginning. Okay? For little Sophia... Honey, that's just the beginning, what God has for you, you know? If for somebody that's coming to faith later in life, like Nick or Diana, that's, that, 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 that's just the beginning, or Mike, just the beginning of what God has, has for you. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him and seeing him become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. You see, he's the greatest of all time, right? And so if he's the greatest of all time, we can look to his life as a model. And we did that the first and second week of the series. We can look to his life as a model. And that's what we want to pursue and, and move toward. And the thing is, I know Jesus is coming someday. I know the resurrection is coming. I know the rapture is coming. I know that day is coming. But until that day, we're still becoming like him. Readily recognized like him, you know? And so that's what we're looking at in this, this talk today. Is some of the things that, that will be revealed to us when we begin to have readiness in these areas, when we begin to embrace these areas, okay? And so let's just start, if you would, with a, a word of prayer. Father, guide our conversation here in the next few minutes. Let us leave here with just a sense of purpose to establish in our lives, not so much goals, but disciplines that we're going to embrace daily, weekly, monthly, annually to be able to become more like you. We thank you, Lord. You have an image of who we are. It's your son. That's who it is. And you're perfecting us into that image of Christ. And Lord God, in this world, in this time, we understand that, 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 that there's a struggle and there's a fight. Fight with ourselves, fight with others, all those things. But God, would you help us? Would you lead us to be more like you? In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. So this idea of a rule of life, if you have a rule of life, there's probably a ruler of life, Right? I mean, think about it, a ruler, somebody that is the master, somebody that is the one who takes leadership. And, and I'll guarantee you right now, you'll never live as a spiritual leader if you don't allow the spiritual leader to lead you. You know what I mean? Let me say again, you'll never live as a spiritual leader if the spiritual leader, if Jesus isn't invited to be the one that leads. So out of this love of God is where that leadership from Christ comes. It's not an overleading get right or get left kind of a thing. It's, it's a loving leadership where he comes in, has a relationship with us, and then like a father shows us how to do this. And we, like good sons, begin to respond to that encouragement of the father. And we see out of relationship that we start to just look a lot like dad, look a lot like mom, you know. I think of the Francis boys over here. They remind me of you, Jim. They do, you know. And I'm not near as good looking, but getting there. Chris, you're getting there. Mark, you're getting there. <laughs> you know? But when it comes down to it, this idea of that leadership of, of the Lord, he's the ruler of life. And so we have a ruler of life. Well, we also should have something that is a rule of life. And a rule is a means to measure all things by. A rule. Something that is, this is the standard that I want to live up to in my life. This is the disciplines that I want to embrace in, in, in my life. And so when it comes down to it, let me put a, a thing up here. A rule of life, this idea of establishing a rule of life, is a personal plan or pattern of spiritual disciplines that provide structure and direction for growth and holiness. That's a word you don't hear a lot. Holiness. I, I want to strive to be like him, right? 
Now, I'm not saying legalism. That's a load, amen? That's a burden. But holiness, this beautiful relationship with him where who he is starts to be lived in and through me. That's holiness. That's a beautiful thing. It's a separation unto God and unto his purposes. It's, it's that. And, and that, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so this idea of having a rule of life is something that we embrace in disciplines in these four areas. And it helps us to become more like Christ. And obviously, is this in Scripture? Well, not necessarily. Well, then why are we doing it? The principles are there. And a few hundred years ago, the Benedictine monks began to practice something that they called a rule of life. And this was something that came out of their order of, 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 of monasticism. And, and, it, and it bears a lot, I believe, of health in it for us, you know. Except I'm going to get married. Come on, somebody. A little joke, you know. But when it comes down to it, these four areas, you just can't deny. When you look at Scripture, we showed you in the first week of the series, these were areas that were very active in Jesus' life. And if he's the ruler of life, if he's the model, as Scripture shows us, we should live up to, then these are areas that we should embrace as well. This call to holiness, it's not a modern call, it's an ancient call. And God calls us to holiness. He calls us to live a separated life, a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. And it's not just in our spiritual stuff. It's not just in our Sunday go-to-meeting stuff. He calls us to live this life pleasing unto him, and it affects every area of our being. And there's some key things that we can put in place that will allow us to see the love of God bring forth his holiness in our lives daily and, and, and allow us to grow more into the image of what Christ desires to do in us, you know? So that's that rule of life. And, and, and it feels sacred. A rule of life is very sacred. But listen, remember what I said? You take your everyday life. We've talked about that the last few weeks, and you present that as an offering to the Lord. So it feels very sacred. Can I say it this way? It's sacred ordinary days. It's sacred ordinary practices. It's sacred ordinary. It's, yeah, it's sacred, but it's ordinary. It's not something you have to go to the house to visit. It's not something you have to have me as a, a priest or a rabbi or a pastor give you. It's something that you can have connected with Jesus. It's sacred, yet it's very, very ordinary. But it is a commitment. A rule of life is a commitment to live your life in a particular way. And, and, and developing your rule of life. And so you're saying, Pastor, you mean literally you want me to take that sheet of paper and write some things down? Yes. Yes, but I want you to do it in your time of devotion with the Lord. I want you to do it in your time where you're going, God, with a prayerful heart, help me to see these areas that I need to, to develop in my heart with you. And we'll talk about a few things here in a little bit to give you a little more practical side. Romans 12 has been our jumping off verse this whole series. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Readily, everybody say readily recognize. We're going to come back to this idea of readiness here in a little bit. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. I told you a couple weeks ago, that's the fruit of a habit. When you recognize and you respond, that creates habit. So I recognize I'm not going to drink coffee anymore. So I wake up in the morning going, I want coffee. I want mass quantities of caffeine, the holy nectar, you know. Black, black anointing, that's what I want. And, um, and, but so instead of doing that, you go fill it with water. Readily recognize and respond quickly. So I'm going to fill my cup with water. You do that a few days, you know what you'll be? You'll be tired. <laughs> and you'll want coffee. But I'm just, that's my issue, though. There is coffee in here. Pastor, I thought you were fasting. I am, but not coffee. <laughs> Don't judge. Legalism. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
So when it says readily recognize, I mean, that, that's that fruit of a habit, that recognizing and, and, and moving forward quickly with a decision when you know. And then it says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity or immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. This process, if we're mindful, if we go deeper this year and we're mindful, it'll allow us to have well-formed maturity. Ross, is this about works? Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. No, no, you're saved. You know, I'm not talking about your salvation. You know, uh, it's not about works. No, I'm, I'm talking about development and growth and becoming. Uh, there's not one thing my children can do to be more of my children. They got my blood. You know, they're my kids. You've heard them talk. <laughs> they're my children. You know. <laughs> And so when it comes down to it, there's not one thing they can do. But they can grow in, in my favor, and they can grow in, in certain ways, but they're still my kids. So I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm just saying God doesn't want you to satisfy with your salvation. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that to negate salvation. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, how great a salvation we have, you know. But that salvation is that starting point where God wants to work himself in and through us in great Great ways. And so I want us to embrace, and I'm going to show you this. I want us to embrace, if you will, worship or prayer, devotion. I want us to embrace our readiness to worship. I want us to embrace our readiness to connect. That's relationships. I want us to embrace our readiness to serve, that area of work. I want us to embrace being able to stop. That's that area of rest. Now, as I talk through some of this, I'm going to talk about just in general at first, and then we're going to go into some specifics. I'm probably going to focus a little bit more today on prayer and rest, okay? Um, a lot of us work, man, we just do way too much of it, you know? Um, I'll give you a principle on work when we get there. But I'm probably going to focus a little bit more on prayer and rest today, and, 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 and if there's enough here that you'll be able to work out your rule of life on your own time. But that's where the focus is going to be. But when it comes to generally working this out, okay, so yes, you have homework, in the coming week, okay, take this sheet or write this down. Snap a photo. Everybody right now, you can take a picture of this if you want. Snap a photo and take this. But in this, there's a few principles that are kind of guiding principles. So here, here's the first thing. What disciplines and specific practices are you attracted to? God has uniquely designed you in a certain way, okay? And so in that unique design, there may be some disciplines and some practices that, that you just have a, a, an inclination to. Let's say, for instance, man, your heart is drawn to worship. All right, so there may be a big part of your prayer and devotional life with the Lord that's centered around worship. And then it might be something to where you would go, hey, you know what? Worship is. Worship is songs that I sing to the Lord. And the songs we sing now are modern and they're beautiful. But I'm going to begin to look at some of the old, 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 old songs and write those hymns down and look at those hymns. And God, speak to me through those hymns. You know, I, I know I'm not, I, but that's not the Bible. No, they're written out from the Bible. I mean, I get that. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham, and I am one of them. And Baptist, I love it. No, I'm kidding. We sing that when I was young in the Pentecostal church too. Yes, we did. But no, I'm not talking about those songs. I'm just saying, I'm, great is thy faithfulness, you know? Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, you know? I mean, all those old, you know, there's incredible theology. So it may be something to where that discipline is a natural expression of your heart out of worship. And, and God takes that and you begin to develop that. And God begins to speak to you through that. Does that make sense? For me, a big discipline is study. I love to study the word. I've got to be careful that my devotional life, because of how I'm wired, my devotional life can bleed into my work life. Does that make sense? 
I can go to the Word and start with devotion, and man, and church folk got to hear this. Now it becomes work. See what I'm saying? There's a difference there. So I know with me and my personal life, I've got to guard that. Sometimes that's the reason why I do do my devotions out of other translations than I normally preach out of, because it feels less scholarly or it feels less like work. You know, it's a paraphrased version. It's just, it's, it's just something I'm just kind of sensing the, 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 the gist of what God's saying, but I'm not going, oh, I'm going to study this deep right now, because God, what are you just telling me? Does that make sense? So I'm just, what disciplines and specific practices are you attracted to, you know? And, and that may play into it, you know? Um, number two, where do you sense that God is calling you to stretch and grow? You know, what, what are some of the areas? You might be a shy person and God's calling you and saying, hey, I know you're shy. You got to connect. You're going to go through some stuff. And if you're not connected, it's, it's going to destroy you. And you start to feel that. And so maybe it's not a natural thing that you normally are used to, but you're going, I need to connect. And the Bible says not to forsake the gathering together of believers. And so you know what? I'm going to get into a journey group because I need that. I need to learn that connection. So it may on one side be something you're strong with and attracted to. On the other side, it could be something you're weak with. You see how I can't tell you what it is that you're supposed to do with these? I, I just got to give you some suggestions. You got to go to the Lord and introspect. And even that introspection is a healthy part of developing this rule, this rule of life, you know? Well, where do you want to change? What is it, you know? For me, I want to change physically. So a physical component is in this area of, I have it actually in the area of rest. Even though it's work, it's still rest, okay? It's an area of stopping other things to take care of this, all right? Let me continue on. Number three, what kind of balance? Balance. On pastor's rule of life, I will try to someday learn how to say the word balance. I always preach on balance. And it's like, does he want us to bounce? Well, no wonder that church is always going up and down. There. No wonder Pastor Corey's you know, doing the Pastor Corey, you know? No wonder, because it's all about, that was a pretty good Pastor Corey, maybe not. It's all about balance. Ba- Everybody say balance for me to hear. Oh, that's how you say it. Okay, good. I'll try to remember. <laughs> but does your rule exercise your thoughts, your actions, and your affections? What I mean by that, does it exercise these things you're putting on here? Your, you need your head engaged, all right? You need your heart engaged. You need to have your hands engaged. So your head is your thoughts, your hands, your actions, your, your heart is your affections. You know, is there, is there balance to that? Does it contain some, some practices that help you find balance of the work of your hands, your heart, and your head? Okay? Sometimes as, as believers, we can be really, really, really spiritual and not very cerebral. <laughs> Somebody's like, amen. There's nothing wrong with being cerebral. There's nothing wrong with studying other, uh, not, I'm not saying faith per se, but there's things you can read. You can read a scientific book on some matter of, 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 of science, and the Lord will just start showing you spiritual principle after spiritual principle. It's amazing how God can work, you know? So your mind, your, your, your body, your hands, everything, your heart, you know? A balance between corporate Things and individual things, you know. Corporate would be like the, the relationships, and individual would be like that idea of rest, maybe, you know. Um, um, the idea of a balance between outward disciplines and inward disciplines. Things that are affecting the things that people see and the things that nobody will ever see. So just a balance. Number four, is your rule, this is a huge one, ready for this? Is your rule realistic? Is your rule realistic for you to commit to? And here's the reason why that's important. In order to be life-giving, a rule must be really realistic. I'm not, I'm not one of these things need to be an ideal. Well, ideally, I would do that. No, no, it could be a challenge, 
but it needs to be realistic, something that you can embrace and practice. Does that make sense? If you're like, I'm going to read the Bible four hours a day, are you? Are you? No, what's going to happen is you're going to say, I'm going to read the Bible four hours a day, and when you don't, you're going to feel horrible, and you're going to feel like the love of God is challenged in you. I'm such a wretch, you know? No, no, make something that's realistic. First week of the series, I talked to you a little bit about that. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that here in a second when we start breaking some of these down. Okay, so it's not an ideal toward which you are striving to soar. Instead, your initial rule should be a minimum standard for you. This is, the, this is my minimum standard. This is what I'm going, this is my practice. It's my rule. It's my daily. Actually, the word rule comes from a, a, a um, 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 Latin word where it's the word for regular. This is just the regular thing of my life. It's the rule of my life, Okay. And so that idea, it's not some high lofty goal, it's a standard that's our minimum standard. This is what I'm not going to be willing to drop below. It's a realistic level of engaging in disciplines for which you can honestly and truly be held accountable to, okay? So let's look through these real quick. Can we do that? Are you enjoying this? This I know a little different than my normal flow, all right? And so, but I, 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 I just feel like we need something like this at this stage of the year. I really do, okay? So, um, a readiness to worship. That's the first one. And what I've done is I have brought what I created this fall as I was going through this for myself. I brought my rule of life. Okay? And so with it, I'll walk through a few things that is on my rule of life. All right? So make Amy happy at all times. That is not on my rule of life. Why? That's not realistic. <laughs> A lofty goal that I would love to accomplish. I love you, sweetheart. I do. Does, you know what? I don't ever do this. It's such a preacher thing. Amy, stand up. I never do this. I know it's early in the year. We got a lot of guests. Man, I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm serious. I am. I am. I'm serious. Amen. Amen. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. I'll tell you. It's crazy. In March, it'll be 26 years of ministry. This summer, it'll be 24 years of marriage. Yeah. 24? Woo! 24. I think it's 24. And um, I'm just blown away. But, but number one, okay, number one, number one, a readiness to worship or a readiness to pray. You could call this your devotional life, this, this connection with God kind of thing. And so I want you to do this. I want to challenge you to make personal time with God a priority, okay? So, so that may be it. I want to make personal time with God a priority, and then you declare what that looks like for you. For me, it looks like two things. So daily prayer and devotions, Okay, so daily I'm in the Word of God. Right now I'm doing one of those read through the Bible in a year things. I haven't done that for a few years, and so I thought, hey, I'm going to do that, you know. And, and, and I'm a pretty quick reader, so it's, it's, it's maybe 15 minutes or so, you know, to, to go through the Scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, and, and I'm just about into Exodus now, and, and, and that's fun, you know. It's like, wow, you know. So read through the Bible in a, in, a, in a year is what I'm doing from that standpoint and getting quiet. And something new that I had learned this fall is something called the Daily Examine. And, and here's the thing, as a, a young guy not raised in kind of high church, when I say high church, like Catholic church or Lutheran church or Presbyterian church, there's some beautiful things when it comes to the disciplines that are in those movements of faith that us, that maybe were raised Pentecost or Baptist, we just don't know about, you know? It's like, it's just Jesus. I know it's just Jesus. But there's some neat things, and, 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 and um, 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 oh, Ignatius Loyola, he had come up with this idea of an examine, or actually, he didn't come up with it, but this idea of a daily examine, he kind of 
created his five steps to the daily exam. And, and it's just really a powerful way to connect to the love of God and to be mindful of what the Lord's doing. And so that's on my list. And, and once a day, just trying to take time. Here's what they are. It's become aware of God's presence. Become aware of his presence. You know, just take a little bit of time. God, I sense you this day. I could see you in this. I could see you in that. Being very mindful of the move of God in your daily life. And if you start to do this every day, guess what you'll do? You'll become mindful of his move in your life. You know, you start to reflect on it and you'll start to recognize it. Okay? So that, that becoming aware of his presence. Number two, review the day with gratitude. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm looking at my day and my heart is full of gratitude about my day. Here's a tough one. Pay attention to emotions. So I'm an emotional person. Every one of us are. So as I'm going through the day and I get mad about something, I want to take that daily exam and go, God, why was I mad about that? What in me is missing it that made me so mad? Not, I can't believe that person. No, no, what is me when it comes to I am accepted in the beloved, I am his son, that for some reason this has me so worked up, I want to choke that person. So God help me to understand that emotion. Or I'm thrilled about something, something got me so amped. Why does pastor like the greatest showman on earth, whatever that movie is called? Why? What about me loves that? We've seen it multiple times. You know, what is it? I don't know. I don't want no answers from you guys. <laughs> you know, but you may sit there, whatever it might be, you know. And um, um, funny story about that. We went to the, the sing-along version, and there was a group of people apparently didn't know it was the sing-along version. So after about the third um, song, where they put the words up on the screen, and we're all with gusto singing, the, sing, with gusto singing it, um, these people leaned back and looked and said, some of us haven't seen this before. And I'm thinking some of you are in the right theater, you know, but, but I, didn't, I didn't tell them that. But, um, but pay attention to your emotions. What is it in your daily life? Why are you feeling this? Why are you feeling that? God, was I missing seeing your grace in that moment? Because I was really upset, you know, and maybe the God's give you grace for that person or, or whatever it is. But those emotions tell us something about our walk with the Lord. And so, Lord, visit that. Help me to understand that, you know, and, and, and then choose something, a feature in the day that you're praying about. Something that happened that day that you're really taking an intercession to the Lord, and then look forward to tomorrow. God, this is what I have tomorrow. And you begin to look forward to it. Another thing that, that I've been practicing that's kind of a new thing to me um, is just a little bit of silence before my next thing. It's very easy for me to go from phone call to email to meeting with a person to counseling session to, you know what I mean, just boom, 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 boom. And just to take a little bit of moment before the next thing and ask God to kind of visit my heart, help me understand the past thing I just did. I'm ready for the next thing I want to do. Do you see what I'm saying? That's mindfulness. The Bible says we're supposed to pray without ceasing. That's praying without ceasing through your day. But this idea of a daily examine is just that one time a day where, like Ignatius Loyola said, just to pull back and think through some of these things, okay? And so you're looking forward to tomorrow. Um, and you can go online and look up daily examine, E-X-A-M-E-N, not I-N-E, E-N, it's how it's spelled. Go look at it. It'll give you different ways of doing it and stuff. But that's a neat, neat, neat thing, all right? But it all stems from this personal time with God and making it a priority. Number two, a readiness to connect when it comes to relationships. We cannot be solitary 
people. We've got to be able to connect with people. You know, we just can't be, be, be alone. And so with that, I know with my relationship with Amy, I've taught you guys before how we practice our first 15 minutes. First 15 minutes a minute in the morning we try to connect. First 15 minutes when I come through the door we try to connect. First 15 minutes um, when the kids go to bed we try to connect, you know. And, and sometimes that leads to us watching a movie together or going shopping or whatever. But, but, but just that idea of prioritizing us, you know. Um, playing with the littles every day. I'm trying to play with my littles. And that's something we do at night right before they go to bed and stuff. But playing with the littles. And, and something I've kind of fallen out of the habit of as our bigs get bigger, you know. Um, just connecting with them. And so, you know, I want to hang out with the bigs weekly, you know, at least once a week doing something with them. And, um, and that's a hard, that's hard because their schedule and my schedule and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I have a journey group I go to every week. I'm, I'm, I don't tell you guys to get in a journey group and I don't go. My journey group meets that I go to at about 6, 6.30, depending on the week, how it's going. But that's usually when we meet. And, um, and then one I don't have and I haven't accomplished yet for this year is connecting with a mentor once a month. I mentor people. But I don't have that one person I'm connecting with that I feel is really mentoring me. And, and I need that. Amen? So, again, the Bible, I just, I, I, we got too much to go through. I don't want to, I know we had, with baptism, I'm not going to, I don't want to belabor relationships. But connect, all right? Number three, three, a readiness to serve, which is your work element. I called it serve, and the reason why is because you have an employer, you know, but the person you work for is Jesus, and that's going to help you. You have an employer, but the person you work for is Jesus. So everyone you work for, you're serving. You're serving your customer. You're serving the person that you work for, etc., etc., etc. Have that mind. And here's what it says in Mark 10, 43. Not so with you. This is, in other words, not so with believers. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Just go with a servant mindset. I mean, I work for Jesus, and I'm here to serve you. And then the final one that I am going to take just a little bit of time with is a readiness to stop. And this is my hardest one, okay? A readiness to stop. In Exodus chapter 20, it says in verse 8 through 10, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. There needs to be a readiness to stop. I, I don't know about you guys. I started when I worked work when I was 10 years old, you know. And at 10 years old, I started. I had four, four lawn jobs that continued to grow into a business. I learned business and skills and sales. And by the time I was a junior in high school, I made 25 grand my junior year of high school back in the late 80s. I mean, like, it wasn't great. would have been better if I was selling something illegal. I get that, okay. But I was always legal, but I was selling paintings. I know it's kind of a weird thing, but art. And, and, and it was just one of these things to where... The more I did, my dad just beamed. My dad just praised me and praised me and praised me. The more I worked, the harder I worked, you know, the more praise I got. And that followed me into my first paid church job to where the more I did, Pastor Ross will do anything. Man, you can always count on Pastor Ross. And so 80, 90 hours a week for years and years and years, you know. And then we start having children. And I'm not only working, I'm, I'm also going to school again. And, I'm, and literally, this is something I told yesterday morning in the men's breakfast, there was a point when Auburn didn't want to come to me. Because from the time she was a baby till she was four, daddy was barely existent. And I would want her to come, and she would turn, and she would go away from me. And she would go to my friend David, you know. Remember? Broke my heart. But I wasn't there. I was putting so much value on performing and producing that I was missing her early first years. Thank God we were able to redeem that. And through it, she's my favorite daughter. <laughs> I don't think any other kids are in here. Okay, so we're good. All right. 
But that just, you know, you're praised for that, though, that kind, of, that kind of work. You're praised for it, you know. I wasn't praised at home for picking up my socks, you know what I mean? But at church, I was praised, I was praised for that at church, you know. <laughs> at church, I was praised for any little, you know. So you find yourself wanting to work more and more and more. And, and then literally, even up to a few, you know, months ago, you know, you would have five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks in a row where literally there wasn't a day that you didn't do some sort of work. You know, a counseling session, a phone calls, you know, some sort of a meeting, work on a sermon, some sort of a leadership development thing, you know, some pat, um, church planting things. I work with church planters. You know, there wasn't, there would be weeks where there was something, and Amy's just like, you've got to shut it off, but it feels so good to do, you know, struggling in my being, but it feels so good to do, my doing's going well, my being, I don't know if I can make it for 30 more or 40 more years of ministry if I don't take care of my being, does that make sense? And so this fall, we begin to work with the staff on developing rules of life for each of us, and we have got to develop a readiness to stop. Listen to the Sabbath is not dependent upon our readiness to stop. Sabbath is a principle of God. doesn't mean you got to be ready for it. It's there. Okay? We just need to do it. Now watch. We do not stop when we are finished. We do not stop when we complete our phone calls, finish our project, get through this stack of messages, or get out this report that's due tomorrow. We stop because it's time to stop. This is what a man by the name of Wayne Mueller said. I think that's brilliant, you know? For many of us, we find ourselves running, producing, striving, endlessly accomplishing our to-do list, our task list. But if we're honest, it's incredibly difficult to walk away from work, especially when that work feels incomplete. It always feels incomplete. Pretty much, for most of us, there's always one more thing that we can do. And this, week, this fall, my epiphany came when it came to the idea of Sabbath rest. I just put a load on my staff in our staff meeting about the rule of life, and you, we need to develop a rule of life in the area of Sabbath rest. What's that going to look like for our staff? And I leave, and that afternoon, I'm riding my motorcycle to make a few hospital visits, and while I'm going, I feel like the Lord's like, going, okay, so when are you going to do it? Get out of my business, God. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I felt. What do you mean, when am I going to do it? When I get it figured out. No, no, no. This week, when are you going to do it? Well, I, I, I got to do it in a couple of weeks. I got to plan for this, right? I got to figure out. No. When it comes to tithing, you don't do this. This is the conversation I'm having with the Lord. When you come to tithe, you don't have no problem. From 10 years old to now, you've been tither. You've never had any problem going, here's 10% of my money. That doesn't make sense. There's people in the house going, I know, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. But you do the 10%, and have I not always taken care of your 90%? Yes. When it comes to the 90%, aren't you responsible with it more? More disciplined? More mindful? And so the way that looks with my tithing is, I would love to go on a bunch of vacations a year, and I could, but I couldn't be a tither and do that. So I go on on one nice big vacation, you know. I, I would love to have a, a neat, neat car, you know. Right now, we're doing some other things with our finances, so I can't. Why? Because I'm a tither. Oh, I could have a nice, neat car. I could roll up in here in some real fancy hoopty. Come on, somebody. But I wouldn't be able to be a tither. Does that make sense? So I have no problem with cutting things off when it comes to my money, going, God, you're first. You're first. Okay, yeah, in your money, but what about in your time? <sighs> but I'm doing for you, Jesus. Look at all I'm doing. Look at all I'm working for you, you know? So I'm having this battle with the Lord, and I felt like he was saying, this week, do it, and worry about, let me worry about everything else, you know? And so I'm thinking, well, how's it going to fit in? And I figured it out, and Thursday, I get leave my house about 6 in the morning, 
And, and I worked till about 12 or, or 1, somewhere in that range. Because I'm like, there's no way I can take a whole other day. 12 to 1 or so, and then I jet, and I go home, and it's my Sabbath. And then I fill up my day Friday from like noon to 7, you know, and back at the church and hitting it, you know. And I work Saturdays too. So, so basically it's just one of those things to where I, there's always things on Saturday to do ministry-wise. I can never get that as a break, you know. But this Thursday to Friday, it's a 24-hour period where I've been, and you know what, every week, I'll be honest, if you remember when I got to that relationship part of that, my normal practice is to have a verse for everything. I didn't have a verse. Why? Because it was 145 on Thursday. And I'm going, I need to make my slides. It was actually about 115. And I'm like, I need one more verse. No, you don't. This is long enough. <laughs> yeah. It was only long because of the baptism. So when it came down to it, I'm like, it doesn't need a verse. It's a good sermon without that verse. It'll be okay. There's enough word, you know. But it ate at me. But I just thought, I got to close the books. It's done. I'm going to make the slides. Boom, done. I just got to go home. Left at 145, looked at my schedule. And shifted things the next day so that I could start at 1. I, left, I started working at 1.30, actually. So, so just a little shy. I'm still a little disobedient. I'm working on it, okay? So <laughs> it does edge a little. But I'm getting better at it, all right? So here's the thing. It was so important because remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath. You shall not work. I mean, the shall, that's a commandment of the Lord. So what's that look like in your life? I don't know how you're going to work that out. For me, that's how I had to work it out. Sunday's kind of a work day for me, okay? So I had to kind of figure out how it was going to look for me, okay? For you, you might come to church, and then you can Sabbath the rest of the day. Praise the Lord. That's awesome, you know? But for a guy that has two jobs, that's not working. So this thirsty thing worked for me, all right? So God is our example. He stopped. He had a readiness to stop. He rested not because there was nothing else he could have done, okay? He's God. He rested certainly not because he was exhausted. He's God omnipotence never gets tired, right? So that's not why he worked six days and took a seventh off, a day off. No, no, omniscience, that idea of being able to know, omniscience knows no mental limitations. It's not like God went, whew, six days, I'm running out of ideas. He's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. He can go anywhere to galaxy distances far beyond and begin to create yet again. So his omnipresence, he could easily have made more worlds and created an infinite number of other forms of life and provided multiple millions of galaxies and Bigfoot. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he didn't. <laughs> On that day, he rested. On that day, he stopped. And so we need to examine our readiness to stop both in daily and weekly Sabbath. We need to, to look at times in our day to just pause, reflect. We need to look at times in our day just to be, or a week to be able to have that full stop. You know, but why do we strive so hard sometimes, you know? Let me throw out this real fast. We fail to give play, fun, rest, and leisure a proper place of dignity. There's dignity in that. My dad didn't teach me that. Work, work. A man ain't worth his salt unless he's working 16 hours a day. That's how I was raised. So I never felt like I was living up to anything if I didn't, you know? Our strong tendency to compete and compare leading to a wholesale dissatisfaction with things as they are. Compete and compare. My church in Ohio, we had a sheet of paper that we would sign in and sign out. And I'm telling you, myself and another one of our pastors would go to it. Oh, he had 10 hours yesterday. I'm going to have 12 today. Oh, he had 12. I'm going to have 13. Oh, he's at 70 hours and it's Thursday. Man, I'm going to have 85 hours come tomorrow. And we lived that way, didn't we, Amy? 
year after year after year. And that man lost his marriage, and that man lost his ministry, and that man lost his everything. I'm just being honest. Why? Because two punk preachers thinking that we thinking that somehow we could compete. I know, I know he didn't think that that's what it was, and maybe, maybe it was just me, and that was my motivation, but we drove each other and drove each other and drove each other and drove each other. Didn't have that rule of life. Only by the grace of God I didn't end up where he was. Really. And a wife that would have killed me. Only, only because of those two things. Our preoccupation with always wanting more and more and Maybe even self-imposed guilt if we don't do enough. Unrealistic expectations. All that comes into play on why we can't stop. The voices in our head when it comes to parents. Like my dad, I love my dad, gave me a, a strong work ethic. You know, voices in your head like your boss. Voices in your head like mentors or worse, just yourself. You know, others will pass me up if I don't. Whatever it might be, that voice is in your head. When we trust God, though, listen. When we trust God's sovereign control and we step away from the work of our hands, we are wide open then to receive from him. And when we do that, it allows us to say, you know what? I'm not in control. You are. And I'm not producing. You're producing. And it's what God is doing. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Father, right now, these areas, we ask this week you'd visit our hearts as we literally prepare areas of rest. I thank you, Lord, for helping me to begin to embrace Sabbath. I praise you for that, Jesus. It's changed my life. You've changed my life through it, Jesus. And Lord God, I just ask as this year comes for our body, as we set our hearts towards you, would you take us deeper, deeper in our disciplines, that we might be more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.